Good to see everyone this morning. Thank you all for your attendance this morning. We seek to serve God as He has instructed us to do so in His Word. And we are thankful for your being here and coming together on this first day of the week to do those things that we have been commanded to do. This morning I want to begin in 1 Samuel chapter 22. This was, beg your pardon, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. This came from our scripture reading this morning. This is where we will start. Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. It's a pretty bold statement that Samuel has said here, that to obey is better than the sacrifice. Because both of those things are commanded of us as children of God. So this morning I want to, to look at that. To, better, uh, to obey is better than sacrifice. And help us to understand why that is so. This fits in with the series of lessons that we have going on this year about highest and best. How is it that we can best serve God? What's the highest sacrifice, obedience, level of obedience that we can give to God? Because that's what he expects. And so when we see a statement like this, to obey is better than sacrifice, we have in there... In that statement, we have a hierarchy. We have obedience over sacrifice. So that's worth exploring. It's worth us diving in and looking at it and see exactly why Samuel can make such a statement and others make the similar statements as well, including our Lord. So let's talk about these things. Let's first talk, talk about sacrifice. And understand this, as I mentioned a moment ago, sacrifice is necessary. Sacrifice is commanded of God. We can look at plenty of uh, examples in the Old Testament about all the sacrifices that, that they made, but I want to focus in the New Testament because sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we're still expected to sacrifice to God. We've mentioned in past lessons not that long ago, as a matter of fact, this very idea that God still requires sacrifices, and we have some scriptures like this that help us understand that. Romans 12 and verse 1. And verse 2, come to mind immediately, don't they? I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So in that last part of that, good and acceptable and perfect, helps us to understand that the sacrifices that we should make to God need to be good and acceptable and perfect. But our bodies is a living sacrifice. It's different under the, under the law of Christ. In Philippians 4 and verse 18, Paul says, I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. In this case, it's a, it's a material sacrifice. It's money. It's these that have given to Paul in his evangelistic efforts, and Paul describes that as a sacrifice. And not only that, but he says it's a fragrant aroma. Coming up to God as a fragrant aroma. That goes back, that links back to 
the incense and the burning of the animal flesh under the old law, that, come up, that came up to God as a fragrant aroma. So here he's linking that idea with the sacrifices that we make today. Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect in, in doing good and sharing, which with such sacrifices God is pleased. So here the Hebrew writer tells us that our praise is to God. And doing good and sharing, all those things are sacrifices. And that's what we must offer to God. And in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5, And coming to him as a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter kind of puts it all together in this way, in describing us as priests. What was it that the priests did under the old law? They offered up the sacrifices. So he's making that connection here also. And says that we're all priests. And we all have to offer up spiritual sacrifices. So as we proceed, let's understand that sacrifice is necessary. Sacrifice is commanded. Sacrifices are pleasing to God. So we're talking about two things here, sacrifice and obedience. Well, guess what? Obedience is necessary also. We look at scriptures like 1 Peter 1, verses 22 and 23. Since you have, been, uh, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but the imperishable, that is, through the living word, uh, living and enduring word of God. So here's the idea, obedience. Since in obedience you have purified your souls. Obedience to what? The word of God. John 3 and verse 36. This is John the Baptist speaking. He says, he who believes in, in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. John here, this is near the, the end of his life, his last testimony as he is fading out and Jesus is, 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 is coming in. He says this about Jesus Christ. He who does not obey the Son will not see life. See, obedience in Jesus Christ is necessary. Devin just read this just a moment ago from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 beginning. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through us by angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape uh, if we neglect so great a salvation? Again, references to the old law. If the word spoken to those of old was unalterable, and, the, and, and going against it means you lose your life, how much more should we listen to the word of Christ? And be obedient to it. And here, we know this verse all too well. Romans 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. We must hear the word and be obedient to it. And that's where our faith is. So faith comes by hearing. What does that mean? It means we have to hear the word of God and acknowledge it. 
and heed it. And that's where our faith comes. Matthew 7, beginning verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is talking about those who heed these things which I am saying. The ones who heed these things are like the wise man who built his house on the rock and when the storms came and the winds beat against that house, it stood up. But the opposite is true also, that everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And then when the storms came and the winds blew, the house fell. And Jesus adds there, and great was its fall. Obedience is necessary. And disobedience is detrimental, to say it lightly. So why then is obedience better than sacrifice? We've just laid out that both are necessary. We just, through Scripture, not my words, through the Word of God, that tells us that both these things are necessary. So why is it that Samuel might say to Saul, and he's speaking to Saul when he says that, that obedience is greater than sacrifice? Let's understand it this way. That God is more interested in the condition of the heart, that is, faithful obedience, than ritualistic and vain worship. Now, what might that, what might that look like? Does it mean that as long as my heart is right, I can do anything I want? No. Because we just said a minute ago, obedience, sacrifice, those things are, are necessary. So I am bound in my service to God by the things that he has prescribed. But what about if, if I'm hung up in, in sacrifices, that is, uh, vain ritualistic things that I might do if I, to use the, under the, and we'll get to this example in a minute, uh, should I bring a thousand rams to be offered? Should I bring a, a river of oil? As we'll look at in Micah 6. Is that the answer? Should, should I just pile on the sacrifices? Should I show up every time for, for worship service and Bible study? And Is that enough? Well, if you're not doing it out of faithful obedience, then no, it's not. The two have to be married. Obedience and sacrifice. But there's a hierarchy here because God is more interested in the condition of the heart. He's, he wants us to be uh, loving people, to love him and to love one another, and to faithfully obey him. The sacrifices that he has prescribed are necessary. But what's more necessary is the attitude from which they come. Are we offering them in the right attitude, in the right frame of mind, in the right context, in the right um, perspective, in the right service? And that is serving God. So let's go back to uh, our reading here in 1 Samuel. If you're there uh, or haven't, turn there to 1 Samuel chapter 15. So we made mention of this. Um, we've kind of kind of plucked out uh, verse 22 there um, to to get that idea of obedience to obey is better than sacrifice. But in the context here, it really helps us to understand exactly why this is so important. In First Samuel, beginning in verse 15, we won't read all this for the sake of time, but 
Samuel is king in Israel. Uh, beg your pardon, Saul is king in Israel. Samuel is the last judge. There's an overlap there in the time of the judges and the time of the kings that would, that would come in. Samuel, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get these backwards, uh, I assure you, but I'll try to correct myself as much as I can. Saul is king in Israel. Samuel is the judge. Samuel comes to Saul and tells him, The Lord has sent me to anoint you king over his people in Israel. Therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. And he tells him that he must go out and slay the Amalekites. Because there was a history with them when, when the Jews were coming out of Egypt. They ran into Amalek. And those, so these people are the descendants of him. And God said he's going, to get, he's going to pay them back. And this is the time now that, that that's going to happen. Under Saul, this is what's going to happen. You go out and, and, and slay the Amalekites. And not only that, but you are to utterly destroy them. No one is to be left alive. No creature is to be left alive. You're supposed to utterly destroy them. So Saul, and Saul's already been exposed for some of the, his problems already, but he's a, some, he's a very flawed man. But he goes out and he attacks the Amalekites, but he doesn't utterly destroy them. See there in verse 9, it says, But Saul and the people spared Agag, that's the king in the Amalekites, of the Amalekites, and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings of the lambs, all that was good, and were not willing, they were not willing to destroy them utterly. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. So they sort of carried out God's command, but not really. So Samuel comes to Saul, and Saul says, I have carried out the commandments of the Lord. And this is where we get that, if you remember that, that little famous thing that Samuel says, and what's this bleeding of the sheep that I hear in my ears? His, his job, his mission was to go out and utterly destroy everything. Yet, Saul has brought back some of the spoils from war. Saul, he says, well, the people, you know, they wanted to bring these things back. And they wanted to sacrifice them to your God, which is an interesting turn that, that Saul does there. Remember, Saul's king of Israel, is God's people. All of a sudden now, he refers to God, to the Lord, as your God. <laughs> kind of distanced himself from that a little bit there. Very subtle, isn't it? But he says, I've brought these things back so that you may sacrifice them to your God. See, I've done, I've done well. Look at, all, look, at all, look at all this goodness I'm doing. But the command was to utterly destroy. The command was, the, the expectance was for obedience. Verse 20. Then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord, and went on to the mission in which the Lord, the Lord sent me, and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choices of those devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God. At Gilgal. This is where we get to verse 22. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Do we understand that a little bit better now? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. What is it that God wanted? Did he want all these animals so that they could be sacrificed on the altar? No. He wanted Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites. He wanted Saul to obey him. And so the condemnation is here. 
Has the Lord much delight in burnt offering and sacrifice? Is obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. That's what God expected of Saul. And verse 23 says, For rebellion is the sin of divination and insubordination. I said that word right this time. And insubordination is iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being a king. Had God prescribed sacrifices? Absolutely he had. All sorts of sacrifices. Go back and read the book of Leviticus in your spare time. Look at all the sacrifices that are there. All the things that were to be done for a sin offering, for a guilt offering, for a wave offering, for a heave offering, for a drink offering. All those sacrifices that were to be made. So surely God would be pleased with, all the, with these, with these uh, despised, worthless animals. They destroyed, but they brought back the good ones. And we're going to sacrifice them to God. Surely God will be pleased with that. Samuel says no. Has the Lord much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? So we can see in this example, and as we're going to go forward and understand that God requires obedience. Does he require sacrifice? Absolutely. But it's that condition of the heart. Faithful obedience. He, he wants that much more than he wants ritual, ritualistic, vain, repetitive, heartless worship. He doesn't want that. He wants faithful obedience. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Our Lord's teaching is the same. Matthew 12, beginning verse 1, says, In that time Jesus went on the Sabbath through the grain fields, and the disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain to eat. When the Pharisees saw this, they said, Behold, your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. Sabbath was to be a day of rest. They weren't supposed to do anything on the, on the Sabbath. Yet here's his disciples. And uh, the Pharisees have so <laughs> narrowed down and minimalized what they consider work that plucking and eating grain is considered work. That's how far they've gone in, in perverting, really, the old law. Verse 3, Jesus says, Have you not heard where David... When he became hungry, and he and his companions, how he entered the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone. Or have you not read the law on the Sabbath through the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? He makes a couple of references here when David is, is escaping from Saul during that transition where David has been appointed king, but Saul is still king, and Saul is seeking David's life. David is on the run. He goes to the temple, and, and there's the, the showbread. It's actually the, the older showbread that he winds up eating. Um, and he points to the, the fact that the priests on the Sabbath, they have a lot to do. All the sacrifices, all the preparations, they're going to bake the new showbread for, for the next week. They're working on the Sabbath. So Jesus points these out as an example of you're not understanding about this. Verse 6, But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. 
But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would have condemned the innocent. Does that sound familiar? I require compassion and not sacrifice. That's, he's quoting there from Hosea 6 and verse 6 directly, but it's the same idea. To obey is better than sacrifice. So our Lord is saying here, if you, you, you need to know what this means. I desire compassion or mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus is making the same point. And he's using these examples of, you're, you're, you're misunderstanding it. Yes, God required the sacrifices. Yes, there were terms about how those were to be done and who was to do them. But they're missing the point. It's mercy. That comes first. Verse 8, it says, For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he's also <laughs> establishing who he is in this too. Letting them know that I have the authority to do this, by the way. And he goes on there, verse 9, and, and departing from there, he went out into the synagogue, and there was a man with a withered hand. And uh, they asked him, is it, is it lawful for you to, to heal on the Sabbath? Here we go again. That, that was doing work, to, to heal a, a man on the Sabbath. They're going to try to bind that as doing work. Look what Jesus says in verse 11. What shall we say there among, uh, what man shall there be among you, who after one sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift him out? Or how much more value is, than, is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful for me to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus is appealing to, to, to common sense. If your sheep falls in a ditch, you're going to go take him out if, he's, if it's on the Sabbath, even still. They're missing the point. Yes, there are things set up for us to do. Yes, there are laws binding those things. But common sense and, and, and understanding that faithful obedience has to come first. Let's look at another example. Go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, beginning verse 28. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, recognized that uh, he was answered them, Well, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, The foremost of all is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God is one. You shall love him, with the, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no other commandment greater than these. Look in verse 32. And the scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and there is no one else besides him, and to love him with all that in his heart, and understanding, and all his strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself, is much more than burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one ventured to ask Jesus any more questions. You see, the scribe here recognized what Jesus was getting at. What's the great commandment? To love God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and your strength. The second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And the scribe here says, he makes the connection here at the end of verse 33, to do that is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After he realized that he answered him intelligently, 
See, the scribe put the reason to it. He put the understanding to it that these offerings, these burnt offerings, these sacrifices, yes, that's prescribed under the law, but to love God is more important. To love your neighbor as yourself is more important. We have to do those sacrifices. We have to do the works which God has prescribed. But where our heart is and where our attitude is, that's most important. To be pleasing to God, we must offer Him the sacrifices He desires. I don't want to be misunderstood in the least in saying that this lesson gives us the latitude to, to do what we want to do in service to God. It does not by any stretch of the imagination. We come here on the first day of the week, we take the Lord's Supper, we take up a collection, we sing, we pray, we listen to God's Word, and we'll do that as long as we can. Each and every first day of the week, we'll do those things. And when we leave here, we'll go out and love our neighbors as ourselves and love God. We have to do those things. Those are the sacrifices that he desires. Doing good to one another, financially, all those things that we've talked about already. But we must do them with the proper attitude. To obey is better than sacrifice. We must be seeking God and seeking to serve Him out of a fervent love for Him. And that's when, when Jesus is asked about the greatest command. It's no coincidence that He says what He says. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's how we are pleasing to God. Yes, we must do the other things. We must have that proper attitude. I alluded to Micah 6, and I'll leave you with this, beginning in verse 6. Micah is prophesying about the coming fall of Jerusalem. He's telling the people there that they need to repent, as all the prophets were doing. Repent. Come back to God. God is questioning them throughout Micah, and especially here in chapter 6. And Give me an argument, you people of Jerusalem, you people of Judah. Tell me, why should I spare you? What, what have you done? So in, chapter, in verse 6 here, it's kind of some rhetorical questions here that are posed, and you'll see what we mean here. With, with what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? This is, this is Micah speaking, kind of putting words in Israel's mouth in a, in a, in a sarcastic way. What do you want, God? Rivers of oil? Do you want my firstborn? Should I give you that? Will those sacrifices make you happy? He says there, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? It's really simple. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Is there any mention there of thousands of rivers of oil, of sacrifices, of burnt offerings, of offering your firstborn child? No. Do justice. 
to love mercy or to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. It's always been God's desire for man is to do those things. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to obey him. And to obey him out of a loving sense of duty and service to him it's more important than sacrifice. As we think in the highest and best that we might serve God, let's think about this lesson. And think about putting him first. Serving him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And that bleeds over into loving our neighbors as ourselves. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to hear the gospel message about our Lord. Understand about uh, what he did so that we might be saved from sin. It took the sacrifice of him on a cross for us to have the opportunity to be redeemed back to God. And upon hearing that, we understand that, and we should understand that there's changes that we should make in our life to turn from the life that we have been living and turn to God. And understanding that we need to confess who Jesus is, repenting of our sins. And upon doing that, then we're a candidate to be baptized, where we enter the waters of baptism to put to death that old man of sin and to, and to come up out of the waters a new creature, ready to walk in newness of life. That's the plan that God has laid forth for us to, to become a child of his. And then as we live the rest of our lives, we, we think about these things, service to God. How do we serve him best? How do we serve him with all our heart and our soul and our mind, our strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves? That's faithful service to God, and that's what he respects and, and expects from us. Revelation 2 and verse 10, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's the expectation that God has for us, to remain faithful to him. If as a child of God you have fallen and have maybe falling into the other category of sacrifice, where I, I come here on, on the right, at the right time, I show up here at the building and, and do the things I'm supposed to do, but are you doing it out of the, with the proper attitude? Realizing that it, to obey is the better, than, the better than sacrifice. Whatever your needs might be, you can come forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.